0: Okay, so the reading this morning comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 9 to 28. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all God's people with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.
1: Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your precious word, Lord. We thank you, God, once again, that we live in a country, Lord, where we can actually access your word and we can read it. Father God, forgive us for the times where we take it for granted, where we don't pick it up when we should, Lord. Help us this week to make it our go-to, Lord. Help us to be the first thing we think of in the morning and the last thing we think of at night and all throughout the day, Lord. We just thank you, Jesus, for your word, which is our daily bread. I just pray now, Father God, for this time. I just pray, Father, that you will speak through me, Lord, But I pray, Father, that if there's anything you don't want me to say, Jesus, I pray that it won't pass my lips, Lord. Because all the glory goes to you. I just thank you, Jesus, for who you are. In your precious name. Amen. Amen. So there's a saying that goes like this You can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family. And those who grew up with brothers or sisters will know that it's not always easy. Arguments over silly things, maybe jealousy, taking each other for granted, and that classic sibling rivalry, a commonplace in the vast majority of families. But, as my mother told my sister and I growing up, when you have a sister, you will always have family. When we chose to follow Jesus, 1 John 3 verse 1 says that God adopted us into his family. And we became his children and he became our heavenly father. And this is a wonderful expression of his intimate love for each and every one of us individually. And we still find that our adoptive heavenly father is generous. And he's not just adopted us, but billions of other people as well. And as we join a church and we meet our new church family, we soon find they are quite an interesting mix of people. And we discover that sometimes living together, as with our earthly families, is not always a cakewalk. It's not always the easiest. However, we need each other to function. And when we function properly, we will be effective in bringing God's hope and love to a community in desperate need. The truth is that in this mission to make Jesus known in a difficult world, we very much need each other. We all have a role to play. We are all valued people. So in this new series, we'll be looking at the body of Christ, of God's church. And we'll be looking at, looking at functioning together as one. So this morning, we're going to be looking at, as we said before, as encouragement At encouragement in the body of Christ and how important that encouragement actually is. So for this morning's study, as we've listened to, we will be using 1 Thessalonians 5 as our text. So let's dive in. To set the scene, 1 Thessalonians is a letter written by the Apostle Paul. And he was writing to a newly formed church in Thessalonica, which was an ancient city in Greece. Now, Paul travelled there in his missionary journey in approximately AD 51 to share the gospel with the people living there. And the city of Thessalonica was a a place with a population of about 200,000 people. And it was a city of great trade. There was a lot of things going on there. And the city was also popular for Jews. And there was a synagogue there. So this was a good place to share the gospel. Now, after Paul shares the good news of Christ with the people living in Thessalonica, there is a large number, there's a large number of both Jews and Greeks who become Christians, who become followers of Jesus Christ. Now, this caused some suspicion among people living there. Because as people were were claiming that there was a higher power other than Caesar, and this didn't go down well at all. So the church starts to face violent persecution, and Paul and Silas are sadly forced to flee from the city. And shortly after Paul and Silas flee from Thessalonica, Paul sends his co-worker Timothy to go back to Thessalonica to see how they are doing, to see how the people there are doing. Now in the face of violent oppression, Timothy is good news. He reports to Paul that the church is flourishing in spite of all the persecution, and Paul is overjoyed, and he writes to the people expressing this joy. He also reminds them to live a life that is pleasing to God and is consistent with the gospel that he has preached to them. In the face of great persecution, Paul encourages the people to put their hope in Jesus and in his return. So in 1 Thessalonians 5, our text today, Paul is writing to the church, telling them to keep on going, to keep living a life worthy of the gospel, to keep strong in the face of intense, violent persecution, to keep their hope in Jesus Christ. And he encourages them to live their lives as if Jesus were coming back that same day, to go against the grain of the culture. And so if you're living that life, you'll be ready to welcome him when he returns. So he writes to the church to keep on encouraging each other and build each other up. He tells them to hold their leaders with the highest regard. He tells them to warn those who are being idle and disruptive. He tells them to help the weak, to be patient, to strive to do good for each other, to rejoice, to pray, to give thanks and more. So the church needed this type of encouragement to keep going. They needed it. So my first point this morning is that in the face of persecution, however severe or however mild, our encouragement as a church needs to come from hope in Jesus Christ. Our encouragement as a church needs to come from hope in Jesus Christ. So just like the Thessalonians, the church around the world today is heavily persecuted. A couple of weeks ago in our Inspire Youth group on a Tuesday, we learnt about the persecution faced in, in, facing countries across the world today. And there's some shocking statistics out there. I'd encourage you in your time to have a look at Open Doors and see what kind of persecution our brothers and sisters are dealing with across the world. It turns out that the Christians in North Korea would be able to relate to the church in Thessalonica very easily. Now, North Koreans, like the Thessalonians, have to acknowledge that no one is a higher authority than the person in power. And in North Korea, any suggestion there is a higher authority than their leader, Kim, Jong, Kim Jong-un, is dealt with straight away. This means the faith in Jesus Christ is out of the question for those who want to keep their life. And there are currently tens of thousands of Christians imprisoned in horrendous labour camps. And Christians out there face imprisonment, torture and death. Our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now in the country of Somalia, which is another persecuted country, if you are even suspected, suspected of being a Christian, you can be killed on the spot. Now, the church in Thessalonica flourished in spite of violent persecution. And we are seeing this around the world in our persecuted churches today. We are seeing that they are growing at a rapid rate. So what keeps them going? What kept the Thessalonian church going? What keeps God's children going in the face of persecution? There's a really powerful story written in Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias's book, Walking from East to West, about a man called Pham Hien, who had been a translator for Mr. Zacharias when he was ministering in Vietnam in 1971. They parted ways, and they met with each other many years later. And after inquiring about Mr. Hien's life, Hien told Mr. Zacharias this story. It turned out that after Vietnam fell, Hien was imprisoned on accusations of helping the Americans by interpreting for missionaries and for the American troops. His jailers tried to indoctrinate him against democratic ideals and against his Christian faith, and he was forced to read only communist propaganda, so people like Marx and Engels. And after a year and a half of mental torture, he said, all right, I'm not going to believe in God anymore. I'm going to disavow that God actually exists. And Hien was determined that when he woke the next day, for the first time in his life, he wasn't going to pray. So he woke up the next day, and like he had promised the night before, he didn't pray. So the same day, Hien was given the dreaded chore of cleaning the prison toilets. And as he cleaned out a tin can overflowing with paper, his eye caught what seemed to be English printed on a piece of paper. And he hadn't read English in so long. So he grabbed it and he washed it and he put it in his pocket really quickly before anyone saw him. And when it was at night, he got under his mosquito net and he pulled out the piece of paper. And on the piece of paper, he read the words Romans 8. And trembling, he began to read, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called to his purpose. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardships or persecution or famine? In all this, we are more than conquerors through him that loves us. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And he then got on his knees and he wept. And with tears running down his face, he said, God, you wouldn't let me get out of your reach for 24 hours. Forgive me. From then on, he then asked if he could clean the prison toilets again. And it turned out that a commander had been given a New Testament some time ago from missionaries, and he was using it as toilet paper. He then would wash the paper, clean it off, and read it. While he was in prison, he collected the entire book of Romans. So in the darkness... In the midst of persecution, in our weakest moments, in the times we feel like giving up on Christ, it's his encouragement that pulls us through. We need to be encouraged in our faith. We need to be encouraged in this truth. Just like the church in Thessalonica were, just like Hien was in a prison cell in Vietnam, just like the persecuted churches around the world, when things get dark When we don't understand, look up. Look up and see that God is greater. God will not let you go. In Christ Jesus, there is endless hope. In Christ, there is hope of eternal life. There is hope that one day there will be no pain, no suffering. There is encouragement knowing that Christ Jesus has been with us in our suffering too. Jesus was persecuted. Jesus was beaten. Jesus was abused physically and verbally. Jesus was scourged. Jesus was nailed to the cross for our sin. Jesus is with us in suffering. God says in Isaiah 43 verse 2, love this passage of scripture. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Now, you can't be encouraged if there's nothing to hope for. If there's no hope, life is pointless. Where's your hope this morning? In the the Vietnamese prison cell, in the concentration camps in North Korea, in the desperation of Christians in Syria, the hope in Jesus of eternal life, of relationship with their creator, of sharing in his suffering, is driving people to rely more and more on Jesus. And when they do, they are never disappointed. So my second point this morning is that as the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, as his church, it is our responsibility to encourage each other. Now, we are not in the same position as the persecuted church around the world, but nevertheless, we need encouragement too. South Wales is not an easy place to share the gospel. It's not an easy place to share our faith. But like the children learnt earlier, the church is a team, and we work together. Therefore, it is vital, vital, like Paul writes to the Thessalonian church, to encourage one another and build each other up. Now, the Thessalonian church were already encouraging each other. They were already doing it. They were building each other up in the faith. They were already doing so because Paul writes to them to keep on doing this. Paul tells them to keep on encouraging each other. And he says it's because the attacks from the outside were so fierce. They were so intense. And it's the same for us today. It's not just attacks from outside. It's attacks on lots of different things. It's attacks in circumstances. Is attacks in our health. All these different attacks mount up. And if you don't have support from your brothers and sisters in Christ, it is easy to give up and walk away. The fact is that when we are attacked from the outside, we need our church family support. We need their encouragement. We need each other when we're at our lowest point, when we're struggling to keep our heads above water. We need that person to come alongside us and encourage us with the love of Christ. Encourage us that there is hope in Jesus, that he's not abandoned us. We need encouragement when the doubts come. We need encouragement when fear strikes. We need encouragement when we become complacent. We need encouragement when we drift into areas of sin. When we think we've done a bad job or something. We need encouragement. We need to be built Now, if you've ever been on mission, whether that's home or whether that's away, and you work with a team of people, with a common purpose, with our unity, I've noticed something. I've noticed that you become more disciplined in your prayer life. I find you become more disciplined in your devotions. I find your attitude changes and the way you live changes. There is something about having those relationships with each other, where we encourage each other and help each other grow, that is immensely important. And the church has a duty to encourage each other in living the life God has called us to live. Paul's not presenting this as a nice idea. He's writing it to say that it is a vital part of our church's ministry. So who in our church needs encouragement? Paul writes to the people in Thessalonica about leaders in the church. In the New Living Translation, which I really like at the moment, I like all the versions, but I'm enjoying this one. In the New Living Translation, it says, honour those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with one another. How are we at encouraging our leaders in Cuypermine Community Church? Here are some statistics about church leaders today that I found, and I thought they were quite shocking. It says 72% of church leaders report working between 55 to 75 hours per week. 75% of leaders report significant stress-related crisis at least once in their ministry. 54% find their role overwhelming, 80% expect conflict within their church, 27% report not having anyone to turn to for help in a crisis situation, and 57% feel fulfilled but yet discouraged, stressed and fatigued. When was the last time we encouraged our leaders? They are the ones who are taking the knocks. They are the ones on the front line and the ones most vulnerable to spiritual attack. So who else shall we encourage? How about those who have got God-given gifts but aren't confident enough to use them? There may be some of you out here this morning who have amazing God-given gifts but aren't using them. That's a waste. And if you're here this morning and you're a leader Let's look at the potential in our congregation and encourage them to cultivate the gifts that God has given them. So, if you're here and you serve in any capacity in the church, whether that's washing dishes, opening the church up, working on the children's team, cooking and meat for lunch, praying with someone, talking with others, working with the toddlers on a Thursday, organizing the events like the auction we had and the Reformation Day celebration, whether it's attending deacons' meetings, working in administration, reading on a Sunday morning, giving out tracts in town, welcoming people on the door, and I could go on and on and on. I just want to encourage you this morning and say thank you. Because you were doing a good job. Keep it up. Keep encouraged in Jesus and do everything as if you were doing it for the Lord. I am grateful for each and every one of you. So finally, I'd like to encourage you with words from Thessalonians, again in the second letter of Thessalonians. And it says, So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word or mouth or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself And God, our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are the God of encouragement. You encourage us when we are at our lowest points, Lord, we thank you that you encourage us every day. We thank you that you encourage us when we see the sunrise, Lord, when we read your word, when we hear about you, when we sing your praises, Lord. We thank you for that encouragement. I just pray, Father God, that, yeah, we will, we will be a church of encouragement, that we will pick people up if they are hurting, that we will see where people need encouraging. I just thank you, Father God, once again, for all you're doing in this place. But Father God, I just thank you that you encourage us in these areas, Lord. Because we wouldn't be able to do any of it if it wasn't for your encouragement. We just thank you, Jesus, for all that you are and all that you do. In Jesus' name, Amen.